What if the love you gave your people on your team was the most love they've ever experienced in their entire life? We did that the summer of 2017, and that's why we had our breakout summer. We really just poured love into every single person on our team. And part of showing that love was us authentically believing and showing people what we believed in them and what we thought they were capable of before they even saw that in themselves. One of my favorite quotes is, people will always fall or rise to the expectations of those around them. And I know that there's truly a winner inside of all of us. And when you're believing in your people and loving on them, it's so easy for them to understand that this is the place to be. The voice you just heard is Logan Franke, a dynamic leader who is making Cutco Vector's Motor City Division the place to be for so many young people in the greater Detroit market. Logan has been on a fast track to success in his business and in life, and his path is one that can be followed by anyone. He brings acumen, enthusiasm, and a drive to succeed as model traits for the people in his organization. I know you'll enjoy the story and lessons of Logan Franke. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. I am excited about my guest today. It's Logan Franke and Logan is the division manager of the Motor City Division for Cutco Vector Marketing. He's been in the business now for 10 years. And he started in Indiana, was a branch manager two times during his college career, graduated from the University of Indiana in 2015 and became a district manager and advanced from district manager to division manager in under five years moved up to Detroit in 2019 to become the leader of the Motor City Division. And Logan just passed a milestone of $10 million in Cutco sales. Congratulations on that, Logan, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much, Dan. Thanks for having me. Great. I've been looking forward to this one for a while and happy to have you here. Uh, Take us back to 2011 and tell us about how you got started with Cutco. Yeah, will do. 2011, I was a senior in high school and kind of crazy. My friend Steven started working here. We were real good friends growing up, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. You know, high school, we kind of separated, weren't a part of the same friend group. But senior year, I saw him at one of my friends' house and he was wearing a suit and tie. And I'm like, Steven, because he would always wear like baggy jeans. 
a Metallica t-shirt, you know, he had real long hair, you know, that was kind of his vibe. And I was like, Steven, why are you wearing a suit? And he's like, I'm selling knives. And I was like, of course you are. <laughs> that sounds about right. But long story short, he told me he made like three, 400 bucks his first week in income. And I'm like, all right. I went home. I'm like, if he could do that, I could do that. So I was like, Steven, you got to recommend me for this job. I have no clue what it is. I work at Arby's, but I hate it. I'll sell knives if, if that means you can make some good money. And the rest is history. So that's so cool. Hey, if Steven listens to this, I want Steven to know I love the Metallica t shirt. I went to a, a private all boys high school where you had to wear a collared shirt to school every day. And I used to wear an unbuttoned collared shirt over one of my rock shirt collections of either Metallica or Judas Priest or Iron Maiden or something like that. So anyway, that was uh, that was my jam back in those days as well, Logan. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I awesome. love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Steven, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> nice. Well, tell us about some of the experiences and lessons that stand out from your early career with Cutco. Yeah. I mean, as early as the interview, I was wearing boat shoes, Sperry boat shoes, white shorts and a pink polo. I wasn't dressed super professional. I didn't really know how to dress professional to an interview, but luckily my manager, shout out Rodrigo, saw something in me, accepted me. But a couple of, you know, key experiences past my interview, you know, that was a fun time, but I think of my first 10K Alliance my first summer, you know, we were a part of this group called the 10K Alliance where, you know, you go after selling $10,000 with a Cutco in 2 weeks. And we had to show up at the office every morning at 7 a.m., make calls from 8 to 9, and go out and do six, seven demos a day for two weeks. And I fell short of my goal of 10,000. I sold 9,500, but it really taught me that you're capable of a lot more than you think you are. I didn't think I could sell $900, let alone $9,500 in two weeks. And it really expanded my mindset and my thought process of what I was capable of. That summer, I ended up selling 20 grand, got accepted into our leadership program called the Leadership Academy that fall, and uh, went through Leadership Academy in September and October. And then I quit the Leadership Academy. I actually quit the job altogether. So I was a freshman at college, and I just got overwhelmed. And I, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so busy with everything going on. I played club hockey. I was taking 18 credit hours. I was like, oh, I can't do this Cutco thing anymore. So I actually quit wasn't a part of Cutco for October, November, December, January, February, came back the following July. My new manager's name was Brett. And I showed up to the office and I was like, Hey, Brett, I was the number one sales rep in this office last summer. Can I come back? And he's like, Oh, sure. Come back. I came to the team meeting that week and I distracted everybody. I didn't make phone calls. And so he actually fired me and told me, go home. Don't come back. You're fired from the company. You're fired from the job. You've been a distraction. And I was officially fired for about two weeks. <laughs> that is funny. And this was Brett Wiggins, of course, that you had met that uh, had taken over out there. And, and when you started, Nadine uh, Asali, Nadine McGowan was the division manager, right? Yep. Yep. So yeah. I, came, I came back and after being fired for two weeks, I was sitting down at, on my couch at home and my mom and dad were like, Logan, you got to start making money. It's July. I'm like, you know what? I remember SC2 last year, the 10K Alliance. I think that's going on around this time. So I showed up to the office being fired unannounced. I was like, Brett, 
I'm selling Cutco for July. I'm going all out for SC too. He's like, no, you don't work here. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> I kid you not. Ask Brett about this. I showed up to the first 10K Alliance meeting. I sat in the room and he was like, not only are you not on the 10K Alliance, you don't work here. Like, please get out of the office. I said, physically pick me up and move me out of the room or I'm staying. And he was, not, he was not happy about it. I ended up selling more than anybody else on the 10K Alliance. And at the end, I sold about 17,000 in those two weeks. And he's like, all right, you can stay. <laughs> wow. What a story that is right there. That's pretty crazy. I think about your first fall and spring being a freshman in college. And I was in your same situation when I started the job. I had just finished high school. And I was intending on working when I went to college. But that intention on working only lasted about three or four weeks when I got to college. And then I realized like, wow, there's a lot of fun things to do in college as a freshman that I'm more interested in doing than Vector. The one thing I did right was that I continued going to the team meeting all the time. Even though I wasn't actively selling for a few months, I kept going to the team meeting all the time. And for any new reps that might be listening and you know you get into the school year and you're unsure if you want to continue pursuing Vector and school is your first priority, right? Just schedule yourself to attend your team meeting every week and, and follow through on that so that you keep learning, you stay around the vector atmosphere, and you keep yourself in a position to be able to choose what you want to do down the road and be in a better position for next summer if you want to continue with vector. I think that can definitely help a lot of young people to think about. And then don't get fired. Yeah, right? don't, get, don't get fired. <laughs> one of the key, you know, to go off what you were, you were just mentioning, one of the key things I learned was, you know, I was busy. I had a lot of stuff going on, as all college students do. And I thought, okay, I'm going to leave Vector. That's the answer. And things actually that freshman year got worse and harder. One of the big things I realized was it wasn't Cutco that was I needed to drop. You know, I, I needed Cutco to improve my sophomore, my junior, my senior year with Cutco, with the Leadership Academy. I got better grades and felt better about it than my senior year. And people ask me all the time, they're like, Logan, how did you play college hockey and take 18 credit hours in the business school? And you were part of the Leadership Academy. I sold a lot of Cutco over winter breaks, and it was because of Cutco. And my freshman year, I, I guess I was probably too young to realize that. And I was like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I got to quit the job. But, you know, came to find out shortly thereafter that uh, that was not the best decision. Yeah. Well, that's a great lesson for young reps for sure. And you branched two times during college, right? I did. Yeah. Tell us about those summers. Yeah. I always tell people I grew more over my branch summer, my first branch summer. I was 19 than the previous 19 years of my life combined. And, uh, you know, if anybody knows me, I speak in hyperboles a lot, but I truly believe that is not a hyperbole. I grew more those four months than the previous 19 years of my life combined. And, and you can't really fully understand that until you do it. You know, mm -hmm. I was 19 years old. The company gave me $8,500 to help with advertising, to help run my business. I signed an office lease for four months with my name on the office. I was the business owner. I showed up to the office the first day and I was wearing a suit and tie and I was so excited. I called my manager, Brett. I was sitting at my desk and I was like, Brett, what do I do? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, 
I'm at the office. What do I do? He's like, do you have an interview? I was like, how do I know if I have an interview? I had, I was, <laughs> I had no clue. I was so all over the place and, you know, I just worked my butt off and I wasn't the best manager. I wasn't the most skilled manager. I just worked really hard. I actually worked so hard that I got in a car accident because I fell asleep. And this was about a month into the summer. I called Brett, was crying. I was like, I just got a car accident. I think I want to quit, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, go to the gym, drink water, eat food, get some sleep, take care of yourself. Don't just only run the business. And I was like, oh, okay, I should probably do that. Started doing that, recommitted. We ended up breaking the territory record that summer uh, in Warsaw, Indiana. And starting off from not knowing anything to the end of the summer, breaking the territory sales record, it was definitely life-changing, grew a ton. Second summer, ran another branch office, increased by about 30% in sales. And that's when I knew, okay, I could do this past just college. Yeah. I love that you branched twice. It's another uh, definitely another thing that we have in common from our, our paths in Vector. And I know that you know my first branch summer was a totally transformative experience. And I experienced a ton of adversity in the first half of the summer as you, as you were describing. I didn't get in a car accident, but we really sucked the first two months of the summer and, and I was flailing. But we turned it around and we pulled it together and wound up having a pretty decent summer. And then uh, my second summer was awesome. And we actually won the Silver Cup. And as, as you said, I knew at the end of that, I was like, okay, I'm good at this. Like, this is something I can do after college and, and really thrive at for sure. That was one of the first times, yeah, that first summer as a branch, that was one of the first times that I had ever experienced in my life some truly legitimate adversity that I had to overcome. And it really taught me that, you know, no matter what happens and comes at you, keep moving forward, keep doing the right things, keep a positive attitude, and it'll all work itself out. So that was huge for me to learn. Yeah. I always try to share with young people that life does not necessarily get easier after you're in college. Like people, a lot of people think like college is hard, especially if they're going to a really demanding school like you did. People think college is hard and life is difficult and they have different challenges come up and breakups and failures in classes or whatever it might be, struggles with vector. All of these things are there to prepare us for much bigger challenges down the road. And as you will learn, right, being married, uh, having children, you know, running a business for the long term, trying to grow a big business in the long term, all of these things that you're moving into in your life are all going to be very difficult at times. And it's all of these relatively small challenges that we experience. I say relatively small because looking back on them, they're relatively small challenges that we experience throughout college or in branching or things like that, that prepare us to be able to tackle the bigger things in life and be more confident that we can handle them. So that's uh, what I got out of my early challenges, I feel. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is, life never gets easier. You just get better. Indeed. And I couldn't agree more. Indeed. And that, that places the responsibility on you, which puts you in control, which is just a great mindset to have about anything that you're doing. So I like it. So you graduated from Kelly School of Business at University of Indiana. I know that that's a great school with a really strong reputation. I'm guessing you probably had lots of options for what to do after college. What made you choose Vector as a career? Yeah. 
it's a question that I talk about with my people all the time. And ultimately, I made a list of everything I wanted in a job. I wanted great people to work with, people that I enjoyed working with. I've seen some family members and some friends that you know don't really like their coworkers, and I knew I didn't want that. Wanted a job where I had some flexibility because I have a lot of hobbies and things outside of working that I enjoy doing. So I wanted flexibility in my job. I didn't want to have a rigid, you know, nine to five Monday through Saturday type job. And I made a list. It was ten or fifteen things long, and Vector just checked all those boxes. Yeah, I told Brett, I was like, Brett, I am not working here for my career. I'm going to go hard the next couple of years in college, but I am not working here for my career. And I was, I was aggressive about telling him that. But the older I got and the more mature I got, you know, telling him that was probably my immaturity. The more mature I got, I was just like, it's, I was too caught up in the fact that it was selling knives and that it was a marketing company that I started out when I was a college kid. I didn't take a step back till my senior year and I interviewed with 21 companies. Of those 21 companies, seven of them offered me jobs. 14 of the 21 were like, we don't want to offer you jobs because you're too qualified. We would love you to work here, but we don't want you to because we think you'd get bored and quit. And some of those job offers that I got you know, from Google and IBM and Chevrolet and other companies, it was great. But I realized none of them had checked all the boxes like Vector did. None of them even checked half of the boxes. And at the end of the day, that's a, a big reason I chose what I chose because it was hard to realize while I was in college what I had here until I interviewed with the other companies and realized, oh, wow, what I have here is pretty special. Indeed, it is. You know, I, I think that uh, a lot of people share your the mentality that you had as you were progressing through your college years of Vector, like, you know, this is a place to work that doesn't necessarily require my college degree. So maybe I should work in a place that does require my college degree. Or the idea that like selling knives doesn't sound like it's prestigious. Have you ever seen those people on Facebook that post like, hey, if you sell something, post a picture of what you sell. And that way everybody in our network can see, right? I always post this one picture that says dreams. And it's like this like elegant photo of something, you know, it just says dreams, right? And that's really what we sell as vector managers. We don't really sell the knives. I mean, you and I probably haven't done a demo for a customer in a long, long time. No. And but we sell young people on dreams and vision and goals and aspirations and growth, right? And that is something that is pretty awesome to be able to talk about, right? And everybody should sort of develop a way of talking about what they do in a way that accentuates the development that we provide for so many young people at a time that is so formative and so important in their lives. You know, I'm so grateful for the manager that recruited me and the division manager that latched onto me and developed me, much as I'm sure you are for the people that have developed you primarily in the business. Yeah. Our region manager, Jeff, Jeff Bry, at times he said, you know, okay, if you're not going to sell Cutco, if you're not going to sell knives, what do you want to sell? And he talks about, okay, you could work at 3M. You want to sell sticky notes? You could work at Johnson & Johnson and sell baby lotion. You could work for a lumber company and sell lumber. And it's like, you know, okay, knives, lumber, sticky notes, baby lotion. It's, 
less about what you're selling and more about the difference you're making, the people you're working with. And that made my decision pretty easy. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Well, you advanced from district to division manager very quickly between four and five years after starting. And you grew in sales every year during that stage. I think it would be helpful for people to be able to hear a little bit about your path and what you feel have been some of the the keys to your great success. What can you tell us about that? Yeah. Advancing you know that quickly from DM to DVM, I think one of the biggest key takeaways that I tell people all the time is I ran my district office like a business. I think that sometimes we have so much fun in our company, we forget that at the end of the day, we're running a business and there's a bottom line, and that matters too. I always tell our people, you know, work hard, play hard, but the work hard comes first. Smiles don't pay the bills. Nevertheless, our office has more fun than maybe most offices in the company. So we're all about having fun. But at the same time, we're running a business and treating it that way, I think, really served me in my district manager career. My grandpa and my four uncles own a hockey team. My dad runs, helps run a car dealership. And so my family is very entrepreneurial. My uncle owns a glove company. My family is very business-minded owns a lot of companies. And so that really helped being around that growing up. But I think that's a big differentiator. And then I sat down with one of my friends and mentors, Joel, when I was uh, a branch manager the second time. And I said, Joel, you know, I'm really nervous about continually recruiting and increasing my recruits every summer. And he said, well, what if you just focus on recruiting good people, recruiting a lot of good people. But what if you focus on just loving the people you do have? And what if the people in your organization, he said this to me, it'll stick with me forever. He said, what if the people in your organization, the love that you give them as their leader is the most love they've ever experienced in their entire life. Mm. And that was our breakout summer, summer of 2017. Every single person that came onto our team, I just loved the heck out of them poured into them and loved them. We broke the territory sales record again that summer in a new territory in 2017. That was my breakout year as a district manager. We did about $400,000 in new that summer. That was the first time I had ever done over 200 in new. And it was really just because we loved our people and they wanted to show up to team meetings. They wanted to show up to things because you know it was just a great atmosphere. Yeah, I love that. That's excellent loving the people that you do have and bringing energy to the people you do have. So often, I think people look at other managers and vector, you know, that they perceive as having more opportunity or more resources or more great people on their team. And they sort of wish that they could have that instead of looking at what we do have and building with what we do have and creating those results. Because everybody that's great in vector has created it you know, largely from scratch. And that the idea of investing into every single one of the people that come into your organization is a key piece of that. I also love what you said about, you know, work hard comes before play hard. I used to have this vision building exercise I would do with my team at the start of every summer and the start of every year. And we would talk about what kind of team do we want to have? What do we stand for? What are some of the elements of our team that we want to have exist as we build this. And invariably, somebody would say, we want to have fun, right? We want to be the team that has fun. And I would say, yeah, 
Exactly. We want to be the team that has fun. How are we going to do that? We talk a little bit about that. And then I would dial that back by saying, what's really important while we're having fun is we also need to make sure that we realize that we're here for a reason to produce and we need to be serious about success. And let's balance having fun with being serious about success. And I used to tell people, because you know it's the most fun? The most fun is when you win, you kick people's butt. Like standing up last at the push period, that is fun. Getting your butt kicked, that is not fun. Losing, that is not fun, right? But you know, winning is fun, and that should be a part of what we strive for here. While we're having fun, we're working hard, and we're succeeding at a high level. And I think it's so key to be able to find that balance. Is that something you've always strived to create with your people? Yeah, it goes, it goes hand in hand. You know, I tell our people all the time, you think you're going to start having fun once you sell a lot of Cutco. And okay, once I sell a lot, I'm going to start having fun. And it's, it's really the opposite. You're not going to start selling a lot until you're having fun and enjoying the process along the way. So it's a really, it's a balancing act of work hard, play hard, we're going to work hard, but you've got to have fun along the way. You've got to enjoy the process along the way. And to kind of circle back a little bit on my conversation I had with, you know, my friend Joel, he's also my spiritual mentor. He led me to Jesus. And he told me, he said, Logan, Jesus only had 12 disciples. And I thought about it. I'm like, okay, because I was nervous. I was like, I'm nervous. I, you know, if I don't recruit 200, 300 people over the summer, you know, we're not going to do it. He's like, well, Jesus only had 12. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm not going to just go recruit 12 people, but I'm going to love the people we do have. And that has been, you know, a catalyst to where we're at today. And, you know, you take that, you love people, you take the work hard, play hard mentality and on top of that. And, you know, that's what's really created a lot of our success up to today. Yeah. And obviously those 12 multiplied into so many others, you know, I think, uh, Peter gave one speech that, uh, turned 12 into 3000 or something like that. And so there was that definitely that process of building something great that happened through the leader uh, that turned into something much, much, much bigger, of course, in, in, uh, in the world. Yeah. Cool. Any other key success factors you feel like stand out during your, your uh, advancement from DM to DVM? Yeah. I think a big thing, and I don't know where I got this from, whether it was from Brett or from Jeff, or where I learned this, but just telling people what you see in them, just authentically and super transparently telling people what you see in them. You know, I can remember as far back as my, my second branch summer, I recruited a kid, Aaron Harris, shout out Aaron. He's still around today. DM just had a 50 K week last week, DM crushing it in South Bend, Indiana right now. And you know, I remember telling Aaron, I was like, Aaron, I could see you being a DVM someday. I could see you being a DM someday. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, here's why. A, B, C, D, E, you know, you're really strong work. I think you show up to everything on time. You're personal. People like you. I like you. You give me energy. You know, you don't take my energy, you know, and just really just telling people what you see in them before they even see it in themselves. I've always just been very straightforward with my people. I can think of even a girl, you know, Jade Bullette. She's now a district manager crushing it in, in, Indy, uh, in Fort Wayne, back where I used to run my, my district office. 
And, uh, you know, I told Jade her senior year, I said, Jade, if you get your, your other job working in the sports management field, that's fine. But I'll tell you what, if you choose to work here for your career, you're going to crush it. You're going to love it. I could see you being really great at it. She's like, really? You could see me being a great district. And I was like, yes, here's why. And just really telling people what you see in them, whether that's sales rep becoming an assistant manager, assistant manager becoming a branch, branch branching again, you know, somebody working full-time becoming a full-time district manager. That's something that I've never held back on. And it's just like, hey, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel early on before they have a chance to, before it's too late, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's such a great insight that I feel like anybody listening can take to heart. This applies to being a vector manager and developing your people. It applies to being a leader in any setting. And it applies to being a parent, right? Like I'm always telling my four-year-old boy, you know what, Dominic, you're a good man. You are a good man. There's a lot, you know, a lot of reasons why I say that. And I'll tell him, right? How I see him acting and how I see how he's generous and, you know, how I see how he he interacts with his sister. And he's a good man. He's a little four-year-old, but I want him to know like that's, that's where you're headed in life. And I think that we could all do that for so many people around us through the way that we speak about them to them. It really makes a big difference. It's powerful. So great insight. Yeah, I think a quote that that sticks with me for will stick with me forever is people will always rise or fall to the expectations of those around them. And not expecting them to be a district manager, but believing them and breathing that life into them of saying, hey, you know, you're capable of more than you think you are. You're great. You're you're doing awesome. Like I believe in you. Especially in 2021, you know, people really respond well to that and May or may not, some of them need that. Absolutely. Yep. Hey, so you've talked about playing hockey. Jeff Bry says you are fiercely competitive. (laughs) I'm wondering if this, you know, partially came from hockey or where this came from. Tell us a little bit about where being competitive evolved in your life. Yeah, I'm not too totally sure. Uh, I'm an only child, so I had nobody to compete with. But for oddly... Like weirdly, I felt like I was always competing with my parents growing up and competing with, you know, other friends. Obviously, it came from hockey, but since I started 2011, I've never missed a company trip, a regional trip, national trip. I've hit every trip since 2011 and uh, just hit our summer trip. So still, still going strong. But yeah, it's just, I don't know something that it's like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I tell people all the time in our division, I say, Hey, I'm not in the business of wasting people's time and especially my own. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Right. I mean, I just love the mentality of if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it well and bringing your best energy to every single thing that you do. It's, it's a mindset I think people have and other people just don't seem like they have that mindset. Like a lot of people just seem like they don't care necessarily about being competitive. I've even had reps that have told me like, Oh, I'm not really competitive. You know, it doesn't matter. And what would you say to someone like that, that comes to you and says, Oh, I'm not really competitive. I mean, to me, that sounds like a BS excuse. Growing up, I used to be the excuse writer. I could write a book on excuses. So that just sounds like an age-old excuse of, I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to go out and give it my all. 
And what I know with working with so many college kids in the last 10 years is when you do give it your all, you go out and you really surprise yourself. We're all capable of a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. And I think that being competitive is a good thing. I don't think that people should view it as a bad thing or as a negative thing. It's, it's a good thing. We're meant to go out and achieve our best and grow to our true potential. And I think that if somebody were to think that they're not competitive, they're definitely holding themselves back in every aspect of life, even things that they think might not be competitive, like a relationship. Yeah. Being competitive is a tool in the toolbox that anyone can use. It enables you to have an extra reason to do well at something. It forces you to rise to the level of your competitor. And if you rise to a higher level, and even if that competitor beats you, you've risen to a higher level and you can feel good about that. I think that people have to learn how to feel about losing when they're competitive because if you keep trying to compete at higher and higher levels, you're not going to win all the time. But if you've elevated and done the best job you could do, that's winning in my view. And so I feel like being competitive is an amazing tool in the toolbox that everybody should use. And I can remember hearing a division manager way back when I was relatively new in the business, shout out to Kevin Orton, who said on this topic, he said, if you're not competitive, it's because you're a loser. And that might be a little bit of a harsh way of phrasing it. It is a harsh way of phrasing it. But really what he was saying was, you know, if you're not competitive, maybe it's because you haven't won and therefore you are telling yourself competition is not important. And so you get conditioned by losing and therefore you just decide, oh, I'm not going to compete because I, I lose all the time. But it's not about beating the other person that's most important about competition. It's about bringing the best out of yourself, right? I remember watching a... Do you ever, have you ever seen those 30 for 30 documentaries on ESPN? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've watched like 100 of those probably at this point. And there was one about Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova and the rivalry that they had and how they rose to be the two best tennis players in the world in their era. And they would have these epic competitions with each other. And they would bring their very best energy. And Chris Everett said that one time she brought her very best to the table and she like hit this perfect shot. And like Martina just hit this passing shot back and just went right down, hit the line, right? And Chris just looked up and she's like shaking her head. And she just, she just mouthed over to the other side of the court to Martina. She just said, too good, right? You're just too good, you know? But she respected that competition right? And she used it to fuel her to become better. And I just love that aspect of competition where you like, you want to beat your competitor, but then when the push is over or the race is over or whatever is over, whoever won, right? The other person is the first one congratulating them and shaking their hand and just saying too good sometimes, right? But it helps each of us to elevate ourselves when we embrace competition. So just want to encourage everyone to embrace it because it's a great tool. Yeah. I think there's a winner inside of all of us. I know there, I don't think, I know there's a winner inside of all of us. You know, there's an old district manager, John Hicks, who said to me one night, he's like, Logan, winners win. And I got so mad at him for saying that. I'm like, John, get out of here for saying that. But the older I get, I'm like, that's true. We just had a Cutco Olympics at the office last week where we had a bunch of different activities. 
And I wasn't feeling well, so I didn't compete in most of them. But the reps were like, oh, you got to do this one and you got to do this one. And I've got a beer gut. I might be 40 pounds overweight, but we got first place in both events that I competed in. And we'll go to a local pub and I'll break the record on the little basketball machine. And, you know, I talk with my fiance, Emma, all the time, you know, what, why am I good at like all these random little things? And it's like, because I just, I just try to do my best. Like, I'm not going to sit here and do something if I'm not going to do my best. And I think a lot of people, everybody would realize if they had that same mentality, they'd be able to achieve way more than they think they could. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. Just this whole element of being your best self is something that uh, you can develop through embracing competition and through a lot of the other ideas that you've shared here so far today, Logan. So good stuff. What are you excited about building in the years ahead in the uh, Motor City Division? Yeah, first of all, very blessed to work with the crew we work in Motor City. We've got seven you know, specific leaders, Will, Rihanna, Marlena, Caleb, Maddie, Maddie, and Christina that uh, we're, we're building the division with. And it's arguably one of the best up-and-coming new groups of managers that I've ever worked with and I've ever seen. And just, we're all close friends and we all enjoy each other. We all enjoy working with each other. And we're just excited to build the Motor City division to get to $3 million in annual sales, $5 million in annual sales. Our group chat on my iPhone is Motor City region. So looking to take over more territory that bust the Motor City at the seams because we have so much development and, you know, something that we're really, really excited about. So very blessed to have such a tight knit group of people. And that's one of the big reasons I still work here today is because of the people for sure. Yeah. And uh, you got a guy named Will Bond that uh, is having a great year. What's up with that guy? Will Bond is, is one of the most impressive people I've worked with ever. He, sh- he shows up prepared to every meeting. He's prepared for meetings that I haven't even thought of months in advance. And, you know, he's been around since 2009. He's been around for a long time and he's really caught his stride this last year and a half, two years and started doing the right things and getting the right people on the team. And yeah, definitely watch out for Will Bond and the McComb Method over the next year, two years, uh, three years into the future. Yeah, I love it. How do you view, Logan, the future of uh, virtual versus in-person operations in the company? I'm curious just how you're looking at that as we move forward. Yeah, I think everything that happened with COVID, we went 100% virtual. I think it was a good, it was a good shakeup um, within the company. It taught us things that we would not have learned otherwise. It kind of forced some innovation that might not have happened otherwise. And, you know, I think things like the interview, the virtual interview will be here forever. You know, we had a, a staff meeting with our division last week and we said, now that we've gone through two years as virtual, what do we like and what do we think we'll have stay for a long time virtually? And what do we want to really start to be intentional about getting back to in person? And it was like, okay, virtual interviews makes a lot of sense. Virtual training makes a lot of sense. But after that, as much in person as we get a team meeting in person, you know, we just had the Vector Olympics at the office. We had 30 or 40 people. And it's so crazy to think how these kids think. I had a guy, Brian, come up to me and he was like, Logan, 
he's one of our top guys. He's at like 15 grand in sales. You know, he's going to sell probably 12 to 15 for SC2 push. He's like, Logan, I was nervous to come to the Vector Olympics and hang out and have fun with everybody because I didn't know if it was going to be a good time. But thank you so much for putting this on. I needed this day. And I was like, sure, anytime, man. And I just forget that they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they're missing out on. And, you know, having those in-person events and building that camaraderie, building that, that culture, it's just, it's, it is tough to do on Zoom. And, you know, I think that virtually we've gained a lot of things. Now I can work from my computer if I need to travel. I can work from my computer if I need to. We can run virtual interviews, but you can't replace our, our biggest strength of building relationships and connecting with people. And so, you know, I'm just as excited as anybody to really get back to, you know, what I would consider our bread and butter is, you know, building those relationships and really connecting with those people and reminding them and myself why this is the place to be. Yeah. There's just so much power that happens when you're right there in proximity with someone in the same room across the table, shaking hands, having those, the kinds of conversations that happen when you can when you're in person that are, it's a different feel than it is, you know, via Zoom and much more powerful, I feel like in, in terms of connection and, and long-term development. I used the analogy previously of the 80-20 rule that we've all learned that like 80% of our effectiveness comes from like 20% of our activities. And that's also true about developing a large organization. And now we're in a situation where we can do most things efficiently via Zoom or Apex with the 80%. But when we get down to that 20% of reps that are the ones that sell the most, that have the most potential for the future, that are our TLA candidates, our key staff, right? We can begin to invest our in-person time all with them and none with the rest. And that I think will help multiply our development if we apply it correctly. So that's a little bit about my two cents on that one. You got anything to add to that? Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. That was well said. It's going to be crucial in the upcoming 6, 8, 12 months to be very intentional about those things. I think that these kids, and when I say kids, you know, our students, freshmen, sophomores, juniors in college, they don't know what they they need sometimes. And like Brian coming up to me and saying, Logan, I needed this. He didn't know that he needed that. He wasn't sitting at home going, I need an active day where I'm running around and doing Olympic style activities with 30 college students. And I need to meet Will Bond in person and eat pizza with, you know, him. And he didn't know that he needed that, but I think that that's going to be crucial for uh, our retention and development moving forward of the top 20%, like you said. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Last thing, Logan, what are you excited about personally right now? Getting married. Hey, (laughs) getting married in October. I'm super excited for for the wedding, super excited for just moving on into a new chapter in life. And, you know, I guess if this is an appropriate time to share this, but I, I asked one of my mentors, Marcus, he actually used to be a district manager, Marcus Mangus. You know, I said, hey, Marcus, how do you know when you know? And he was, because I was asking him for relationship advice. This was before I proposed and he was like, you know, well, love is a choice. You're not going to wake up every day and be like, oh, I love you so much. You know, this is amazing. Everything's awesome. Like you got to consistently day in and day out choose 
to love that person. And that was the best piece of advice I had ever gotten. And he's, and I said, okay, Emma, I choose to love you. I'm choosing to make you my wife and propose. And she said, yes. So that was some great advice that I got. And, you know, I'll never forget that. So excited for the wedding, October 23rd, this fall. All right. Excellent. Well, shout out to Emma as well. And uh, Logan, thanks so much for all that you shared here on the podcast. This has been great. It's been good to get to know you a little bit. It's going to be great to share your story with the Vector audience. And I'm grateful for the time you've spent here today sharing your insights, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, Dan. All right. That was Logan Franke, everyone. How about that story of getting fired as a sales rep by Brett Wiggins, but refusing to allow himself to be fired, coming back, getting the job done, uh, becoming a top achiever, and getting back in the fold with Brett Wiggins and the Indiana division there that he was a part of. The growth that Logan experienced as a branch manager, definitely one of the most compelling roles I have played in Vector. And just the whole idea that you're, I want to convey about branching is that you won't always feel ready for all the opportunities that come your way. But sometimes you just have to jump off the cliff and then build your wings on the way down. And running a branch in many ways is a little bit like that. It's like, hey, you know what? I've got this opportunity. I've got a person willing to train me for it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it. Whatever happens, happens. But I know that there's going to be tremendous amount of learning and growth that happens by taking on that challenge. The elements of running a business that Logan talked about really treating your district office like a business and focusing on the things that are driving the business forward and helping to make you successful and profitable. It seems like such a basic and obvious point to many, and yet a lot of people just don't take their work that seriously. Whatever work you're doing, like that is your vocation, right? Like put your all into it. Bring your best energy. Bring your best every day to what you're doing. I think that's such an important thing to be doing in anything and that work hard and play hard have to be balanced together. I love when Logan talked about loving the people who you do have and telling people what you see in them, right? That is such a great tool that can help to develop people and help others to see the vision for themselves that oftentimes they don't see until you see it and you say it. So don't miss the opportunity to do that. I also, of course, liked where Logan talked about investing time in people in person after training and developing a strategy of ways that you can do that in your organization. I think that's critical. When Logan was discussing his job choice after college, he said, you know, he made a list of wants and that Vector checked all the boxes. I've shared this before with a lot of people in my organization in person that uh, the Gallup polling organization a number of years ago conducted a study of human happiness in 155 countries. And the poll was designed to reveal the leading determinant of happiness. They said it was not wealth because beyond a certain level, the effect of wealth plateaus. It was not health because most people, frankly, took health for granted. But instead, the leading determinant of human happiness was shown to be meaningful work that is done in the company of people that we care about. Meaningful work was the most important determinant of human happiness. 
And the CEO of Gallup has said, quote, this is one of the most important discoveries that Gallup has ever made. And when you consider what makes work meaningful, I think about the people that we're around, being around people we respect and admire. I think about having impact on other people that gives us personal satisfaction. We get that as leaders here in Vector. I think about work that provides intrinsic motivation to excel. And if you embrace competition and achieving goals and all of the things you can achieve when you're a part of Vector, that provides you that intrinsic motivation to excel. You just, you want to do well because there are so many great things that happen because you do well and you develop this intrinsic desire to succeed through that process. Eventually, you're not motivated by the contests. You're motivated by doing the job well. And I also think about enough impact to satisfy our core needs with a little bit of room to spare. You don't have to be rich to feel a great level of happiness in life. If you have enough impact that your core needs are satisfied, you got a little bit to spare, so you're building a nice lifestyle, you could definitely feel satisfaction. And then, of course, enjoying what we do and having fun with it, which is something Logan talked about as well today. All of those things are here. If you're a part of Cutco Vector, all those things are possible. If you're not a part of Cutco Vector through building a Cutco culture anywhere that you go, you can have all of those qualities in your work And having that meaningful work is a key to long-term happiness. I hope you have that where you're at. I hope you develop that, if not. And I hope you've enjoyed this podcast today with Logan Franke. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.